welcome back to Victoria on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose, and I didn't go to art school, but that doesn't stop me from learning about art anyway. And I'm Betty. I also didn't go to art school, but that also doesn't stop me from learning about art. And I learned a lot today, or in the last few days. Um, There's a lot of stuff I looked into that I knew nothing about. Um, So we'll see how this goes. That's pretty exciting. This topic that I'll be talking about today is inspired actually by a feedback, a piece of feedback from a listener um, who left a comment on our YouTube channel. You remember Quinn, I think it was episode 58, we talked about uh, cave paintings and handprints. We talked about some of the earliest art made by humans. That wasn't too long ago, actually. So we uploaded the YouTube version of that. This The YouTube version was uh, went up almost... almost a year ago too so but we did have a comment uh by uh inept uh who said uh, who basically was very surprised that we didn't include indigenous australian art in the entire conversation and i realized i just missed that and it's mostly because i know absolutely nothing about indigenous australian art i mean a lot of the art that i talked about in that um, oldest painting episode I wasn't super familiar with either but uh, and also you know it was a cross-section across the entire globe and I apologize that I forgot about Australia <laughs> it just it just happened but I'm making up for my mistake today because this entire episode will be dedicated to Australia it's true we don't talk about Australia very much are you familiar with Australian art or you know um sort of I guess, traditional or ancient Australian art? No, not really. Well, so we're going to learn a little bit about it today. And so I do want to clarify a few things before we start. So um, I'm actually, today, I'm going to be talking about Aboriginal Australian art. I'll explain in a moment why I'm using that word. So yeah, I mentioned the word um, Indigenous Australians a little while ago. So Indigenous Australians are the first people who were uh, who inhabited Australia, and they've been there for most likely sixty thousand years or more. And generally, they're they consist of Aboriginal Australians and Torres Strait Islanders. So, uh, again, I'm not an expert on this, but historically, they've been identified as two separate groups. They are very much distinct in culture, although there are also a lot of very different and diverse cultures, even within Aboriginal Australians and within Torres Strait Islanders. And the Torres Strait being that area between Queensland and Papua New Guinea. So um, when they're talked about kind of as an entire group, they're sometimes referred to as Indigenous Australians or First Nations of Australians um, or First People. Um, But Basically, it's too much <laughs> for me to go over. It's um, I ended up deciding I, to focus um, on the Aboriginal Australians. So essentially kind of, I want to say mainland Australia. I don't know if that term is used. Um, but And again, like I said, even within that, there's a lot of different diversity uh, within um, Aboriginal Australians. But essentially... Not all Aboriginal Australians like to be called that. 
And I, when I was just looking into this specifically, some people like to be referred to as their own, what they call themselves as their own people. Um, or some people just refer to where they're from. Like they might call themselves like saltwater people, rainforest people, um, or they might, you know, refer to, yeah, like uh, something specific. Um, obviously I don't, I've, I don't know about what everyone prefers to be called and very like when you meet someone you really should be asking them what they prefer to be referred as um but what i am talking about you know the kind of the country and and first people there as a group i am i will sometimes be using the word aboriginal australians um anyway i come from canada and we have a complex history um, with indigenous people as well. So I am familiar with this, the fact that there's a lot of different nuances to this topic. Um, and I do apologize in advance because I'm very unfamiliar with Australia's history if I make a mistake. Yeah, I mean, these things are complicated. Every country that has been colonized has, the colonizers have done absolutely horrible things to the indigenous people. And like Australia is no exception to that australia is also across the world from us and neither of us have been there and like are very familiar with the history and so yeah these um i appreciate you doing research into like these nuances and trying to figure out like the best terms to use uh for people both on a broad scale and on an individual scale and kind of like teasing that apart as we talk about some of the art history yeah thank you i'll kind of just do this chronologically because i do want to go back to Again, the topic that made me look into this in the first place, which was to look at the some of the oldest Australian art. And um, again, we can't spend too much time on this, but I just popped two links into the show notes that shows you some of the more uh, traditional and ancient um, art. The first one is, I think, way older than the second one um, that I sent you. If you would just want to give like a general description of um, the first one and the second one of what it looks like. Yeah, so these look like cave paintings. Um, the first one, the background of the cave is more red, but I can't tell if that is additional pigmentation that's been added um, or if that is the natural color of the wall. Um, but the sort of focal point of the image is what looks like a large animal. I'm actually not sure what animal it is, but it's just like large four legs, got a tail. Um, and then there are images of people. One is standing underneath the animal with his arms up. There's one to the left with arms to the, out to the sides. Um, and then, then underneath, there's all these sort of like other little images in red and white um, that look like mostly people, some animals as well. Um, and then the one that you said is more recent um you could definitely tell because it is a bit it is a boat um (laughs) so this is the the background of the wall is lighter and then the drawing is in red um but it just looks like a big boat and there are all these people on there one of them is like they're they're kind of like stick figure-esque um one of them is like he's smoking which is fun uh one is like steering the the wheel um yeah it it just looks like an old-timey boat (laughs) So yeah, these uh, two uh, artworks are what um, some uh, describe as rock art uh, or Aboriginal rock art. And so the first one um, you identified is a scene that has a lot of people and the giant animal is supposed to represent a megafauna that would have 
that would be extinct already today or definitely be extinct today, but would have also been extinct by the time um, Europeans um, colonized Australia. This particular uh, work, it wasn't totally clear when it was from um, because the article that I was looking into this from says the earliest carbon dated artwork is from 28,000 years ago. And if you remember in our oldest uh, artwork episode, like carbon dating isn't the only method that's used uh, to determine how old an artwork is, um, but it is kind of like one of the most accurate and used um, by archaeologists. Uh, but there are evidence of other works dating back to like 40,000 years ago or even. I don't think they found an artwork that they can definitively say that's like 65,000 years, but they have found a primal campsite with the same like ochre paint that is also used on a lot of these cave paintings. Um, They're just, they just can't find a painting. They just can find like residues of the paint, but it's, there's a lot of evidence to believe like they started painting like most likely over 60,000 years ago. So this particular artwork um, could have been from, you know, the like geologically tens of thousands of years, of years back in history when a lot of these megafauna uh, still existed. So yeah, this first work is probably from like tens of thousands of years, year, years ago, um, possibly like even up to 60,000. And then the second one is an example of um, a art artwork that an aboriginal person did when they saw a european ship for the first time this would have been into or at least uh, after first contact with europeans possibly even um during colonization again it's not entirely um it's not dated to a specific date but we can kind of tell from the context um that that particular work is much more recent in history. And the reason why I'm showing you kind of this giant span of history is this type of artwork and this um, like painting on rocks as a um, form of art is actually, uh, as far as we know, this is the world's oldest and longest unbroken tradition of art making that is still being practiced today. So when I talked about Yeah, when I talked about the other cave paintings and rock art and and things from other parts of the world, like, for the most part, the people who painted those, they, like, their culture or their descendants were, we don't have evidence that they still exist today. And we also, and even if they do, there is, there is a huge gap from, like, oh, we found this, like, 60,000 years ago or 30,000 years ago, and then like there is an evidence that this continued through history up until present day, whereas this does. So I can, after I saw that, I'm like, I totally understand why that person was like, you left out <laughs> the oldest art, like that's still being practiced to this day. That's like the a history of unbroken tradition. Um, that is also some of the oldest artworks in the world um, from your oldest art in the world <laughs> episode. So, um, yeah, this is, this is, I, this really should have been in there. That is so cool to imagine the number of people that have had to practice this art in order for it to get all the way to today. It, it's, it's incredibly fascinating. And also, so obviously I'm showing some examples of cave art. So, um, I think we did talk about like 
caves are some of the places where you can have art that's preserved the best the conditions allow for that it doesn't mean people from like tens of thousands of years ago or prehistoric humans only painted in caves i think that's some of the impression that people have but we again we know that um the first people of of australia they did art in caves they did like art on tree barks and on on bodies and with sand uh, like all kinds of materials it's just like sand art (laughs) is is very hard to preserve um and body painting obviously like the the people people after they take a bath (laughs) it's it's kind of gone and then even if they don't you know like people die and then when we find their bodies it's just bones but in any case it's um they they did a lot of different types of art and a lot of those still continue to this day it's just that only the cave ones from tens of thousands of years ago are still here i love seeing the kinds of art also that do live this long um and the ways that you know, there is lots of materials that are very fragile and they do not last. <laughs> and then, you know what lasts? Rocks. Yeah. And then so um, I do want to come back a little bit to the that giant person in the, the first um, the first work of art, uh, because that kind of that motif actually, uh, again, is, is carried through uh, a lot of history of indigenous art and people's histories in general. And I think one thing that is also really important to remember about um, artwork in Australia is because Aboriginal people didn't have written language for them conveying their stories through oral histories, um, as well as through art, was one of, if not the primary way that they passed down their cultural history and stories and religion and practices. So it is not only, you know, a lot of it will see art really beautiful pieces and really interesting. They they also like tie Aboriginal people to their history and to their land. So it's it's a very like important part of um, basically their history documentation. Interesting. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I won't have you describe all of these because it might take too long, but I'll just have you like look at all three of these and feel free to just describe one of them that you think is like the like you like the most. So all three of these are sort of varying degrees of abstract. And I think my favorite one is the one that appears to be the most abstracted. Um, And it's this one that like it has a blue background, um, but it's not a solid blue. Uh, It there's lots of different shades of blue that create these lines um, that they look very naturalistic um, in the background. And then there is this kind of white. It looks like an organism almost. It's somewhere across between like lightning going across or um, like almost like a bug with a lot of legs or like roots. There's all sorts of different things that it evokes, but that is in white. And then there are uh, one of this, there's sort of like a sub shape that has one yellow dot in the center of it. And then there's this larger shape that has a uh, seven yellow dots that are kind of going across the spine of it. Yeah. So this particular one you described is... Um, one that is depicting an ancient story of the Milky Way and the Seven Sisters, which are the Pleiades. Mm. Um, so this is 
what's called a dreaming, which I'll explain in a moment. Uh, but it was done by an artist. I only found the first name of the artist, which is Gabriella. Um, but it's it's a story that she inherited from her mother, which was handed down. Uh, from her paternal grandmother and then um, probably goes back (laughs) way further than that. Um, But so this is an example of um, a story and also uh, like a concept as well that's being depicted by a Aboriginal artist. And so uh, this one I'm showing you is, is a lot more contemporary. I believe it's from the 20th century. Um, but I'll go back in time in a moment. But uh, I wanted to touch on this one as well as the other two um, I sent you, which are also uh, examples of dreamings. And so uh, dreaming, which is also sometimes called dream time, also sometimes called song lines. And then there's a whole bunch of um, Aboriginal language words for them as well. Um, but they're basically translations of the creation stories from Aboriginal people. Well, this was the topic where I was like, have we talked about this before? Or have I just talked to somebody else about this before? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like some of these concepts definitely sound familiar. But I don't, again, I don't know if that is just because like I've heard a little bit about these like creation stories um in other settings so we've been doing this show for a long time guys we don't remember yeah in any case well so um dream time so yeah um and again i'm not super familiar with the aboriginal creation stories but um essentially it is the concept um that there were supernatural beings uh or i mean or maybe uh, they're sometimes they're referred to as ancestors so not necessarily supernatural, but they traveled like kind of an empty land of webs of dream tracks, and then they created everything, um, but not just everything in terms of the land and animals, but they also created like laws of social and religious customs and basically the core of Aboriginal identity and what they're connected to in their daily lives. And so a lot of these works of art are parts of the creation stories. But like for me, the way it looks um, is that it's not, it doesn't seem literal. And again, like it, it, it is kind of a, like I read some stuff about like in there, a lot of the beliefs is that it, during this dreaming, this dream time, um, like time didn't really exist. And, but then the present time is also incorporated into that. There's like past, present, the future all mashed together. And honestly, it just seems like One, there's not a lot of understanding about uh, from outsiders about um, Aboriginal uh, creation and and, uh, traditional beliefs. But there's also another reason that's the case is there is actually a lot of rules within their communities about not sharing that a lot of the details with outsiders. And even the people who are doing the paintings first uh, apparently they, they need to get permission from their uh, community that they're allowed to. And secondly, they they actually purposely leave out information and the abstraction is, one, there because it's, I think, looks great, <laughs> um, but also it's intentional to, to obscure uh, that story. That is a really interesting thing and it really speaks at this tension between different aspects of culture like between this art making but also this like the important aspects of like privacy and theology um and not wanting to like 
not wanting to share these private aspects of theology uh, with other people because other people have historically been bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so it's like, there's a lot of respect for the artists here, I think, and being able to um, express these like important aspects of their art um, while also like figuring out where that line has to be. Yeah. And I believe, yeah, a part of it is also, yeah, a respect for their ancestors and, and there were, are, I, are kind of codified laws among um, a lot of the peoples and nations that there are certain information that they, they can't share like legally from uh, their communities. Um, but in any case, I'm very glad that they do get to share um, some aspects of it because these are very beautiful. Oh, and I, sorry, the, the, the two other ones involve these like giant, well, actually these shapes of people. They're actually meant to represent giant people. And so there are, there are some peoples um, who believe that the ancestors were these giants that roamed the land. So that's why in some of these older paintings or especially Dreamtime paintings, you'll see like what looks like oversized, massive people. Um, so that's, but again, like it's not, it's not, every um culture of aboriginal australians uh, specifically believe in that aspect uh but it is prevalent through a lot of a lot of them their beliefs mm -hmm. yeah so um the next couple of pieces um i'll show you are uh bark uh pieces so i'll just have you describe the first one the first link that i sent the one that has the three verticals these are really cool. They do remind me of the uh, rock art that we saw earlier um, in that these are like what seem it's, it's hard to tell scale because there's not really anything um, to scale in the pictures, but it seems like they're fairly large pieces of bark um, that ha uh, that have these uh, drawings carved carved into them question mark um again it seems like maybe they're painted on top but maybe there's some amount of carving um into them as well uh but i'm seeing three here uh the one on the left looks like an alligator or a crocodile i don't know <laughs> um and there are two human hands and arms uh that are on either side of the face it's like from the t it's like a top-down view of the animal the one on the right uh this one is it's also a flat lay um of, this one looks like a bowl but it's not from the top it's like it looks like you're looking at it from the side um and it's interesting because also both of these animals they have a lot of like shapes in looking inside their body almost like there's some kind of like x-ray going on um it's not exactly fully anatomical but there are some kind of like naturalistic shapes and almost looks like you can see the spine stuff like that um, and the one in the middle i believe is a person um uh who has like arms kind of raised up and it looks like they it's like if a person had wings that's what they would look like um they they have this large expanse of maybe it's part of them maybe it's a fabric um i can't tell because they're all kind of like very monochromatic um with just like different shades of red and white um but yeah but there's this expanse that goes it's from their neck to their hands that are being held out all the way down to both feet that's great description. I'm glad you talked about the the fact that you can. It's almost like you can see 
inside them or like see through them what's inside their their bodies like a skeleton looking thing um yeah so these are what's called bark paintings um so they are it is paint it looks carved on there because the um colors that they use are very monochromatic it's all like natural tones again like ochres and and those types of materials um but these are are painted onto the the tree barks and this style is um referred to quite often as x-ray painting because it looks like an x-ray um but we're not totally sure if the um aboriginal artists were like literally intending on conveying like x-ray of their bodies or if there's uh, although i believe there probably are not because a lot of these again are um relate to these kind of older more ancient stories there was another one another link i had before that also looks the cross hatching one also looks kind of like this has this like x-ray style but yeah so but i think um like that that i believe is a term that has that is used by outsiders they wouldn't have called it that called it that they probably would have just called it my art so like (laughs) um the reason i wanted to show you these specific ones was um so these were works that were done in the 1910s the early 1910s and it was the first time that um aboriginal australian art was was commissioned and exhibited in a way that is shown as art as in not like a ethno ethnographic anthropology study like putting them in a natural history museum type of way this was actually something that was commissioned by someone called uh, Walter Baldwin Spencer and he put this in an exhibition in the Museum of Victoria um, in 1913 and then later it was there was a major exhibition all about different kinds of Aboriginal Australian art in 1929. This was also included in. Uh, But again, it was the 1910s was the first time Western people in Australia, uh, or should it be called Western? Europeans in Australia considered this quote-unquote real art. Thrilling. (laughs) Yes. So, but... In any case, it's it helped to bring like art from Aboriginal people into um, like mainstream Australian culture. Like people became aware of this. Um, yeah. So the second piece is called the Bark Petition of 1963. So this is now like 50 years later, but obviously Australian people have been were, were creating lots of bark paintings and art for tens of thousands of years and um, up until now. Um, uh, but the Bark Petition of 1963 is actually an example of the uh, Yangu people um, who were wanted to assert their sovereignty through art making. And so this is a petition that has this cross-hatching style uh, that's very representative of their bark painting art style, but also with words on them. And these words were them. Um, essentially, uh, they were protesting or they were uh responding to a threat of a mine that's was going to be constructed on the Gov Peninsula uh, in Australia and it, there so there's written statements and signatures from the clan the local clan there they were protesting this mine and arguing for their land rights um, it did not work uh, the mine wasn't constructed anyway it, it destroyed most of the local environment and a lot of sacred sites were destroyed as well um, so this was definitely very tragic, but uh, the reason I want to bring this up is it this particular bark uh, 
petition actually did pave the way for the first uh, native title legislation, which was passed 14 years after this um, as a direct response. So after that, there were many, many successful uh, petitions and protests that did eventually um, stop a lot of the developments that happened subsequently. And then I think in 2008, uh, there was a winning of exclusive fishing rights in the Blue Mud Bay region as well. So it took like, you know, over 50 years again for uh, these, you know, these protests to have any effects. But um, the good news is that it did. Okay. I'll just introduce this for a second and then I'll have you describe one of these uh pictures but these are examples of sand and desert art so uh, bark paintings i showed you before require trees because bark comes from trees but in the (laughs) desert yeah in the desert they don't have a lot of trees or in or any trees in some places so they don't do bark paintings Um, but what they do are body paintings and sand paintings so what i having the links there um there's one picture that has a bunch of people and the body showing the body paintings uh and and they also have like other like artwork that they put like grass in their hair like there's more than just painting um but then the other uh three links are uh, examples of sand paintings uh, or sand art and a lot and some actually have people working on them um if would you like to describe the one that is really colorful that looks like it's um overhead aerial view of a of a sand painting yeah this is really cool it, it's interesting because you don't get a sense of the scale from just this picture um, where it's just the overhead picture, but then there's another picture of people making it and you can see that this is huge, like absolutely huge. There's so many people working on it. Um, and so that just makes it all the more impressive, but it is, it is really cool. It's, it's so colorful. Um, it's a lot of, uh, there's kind of a combination between rounder shapes um, and more straight lines but there's no truly straight lines um, it's kind of divided into different segments um, where the top two-thirds of this work is one segment and then the bottom third is divided into two um, but then within that there's all sorts of different shapes um, there's a lot of like concentric naturalistic shapes um, there's also a lot of more or less parallel lines um, but again not fully straight lines they have they have a little bit of movement to them um, there's lots of different colors it's a lot of reds and oranges um, in this work but there's also there's a whole section that looks very like purple um, which really stands out there's whites greens blues um, really everything kind of in different areas and then there's a few different areas that um, on the bottom section that it look like they're more into the background um, that have less of these lines and shapes but they're more just like texture that that uh, takes up the background and lets those shapes really pop yeah um, and I'm glad you talked about that like there's these distinct areas and parts that look um, like have different colors and different forms and and the other so this is basically a collage that was done by I'm not exactly sure how many people, but in that other picture um, of them working on it, there's at least, I feel like, 30 people in that. But it was done by a whole community, basically. This was done uh, by the com- 
people of a community called the Great uh, Sandy Desert, and it's in Western Australia. And again, it was done by a lot of men and women. Um, and so the specific location that this was done is a place called uh, Pernini. And um, yeah, it's a huge uh, canvas, basically. The artwork is called the Nagurara Canvas. And um, it was, I think, directed by traditional uh, owners of uh the, of the land, um, but then a lot of people from the community um, helped out in creating it. And so this is another example of the the people kind of talking about uh, how communicating essentially their sovereignty to the land. So this was done in 1996. Um, and then in 1997, there was actually a um, like a meeting and a presentation where uh, different artists who's responsible for whatever section it was, they stood on it and they spoke about their connection to the country in their own language. Um, and it actually became a part of the evidence for their claim of the native titles. Um, that again would take another decade for it to be passed into legislation. And the the reason like I want to bring this up uh, again, like there's like an entire history of really uh, devastating and violent colonial, colonial history that we don't have time to get into for this episode. But in the 70s, um, there was actually a lot of really horrendous things that were done to Aboriginal people. A lot of them were taken from their traditional lands and f- like forced and herded into government settlements, uh, which was making way for like the like atomic bomb testing in a lot of cases. Um, And just, you know, so many people were displaced, but also, you know, a lot of people um, were uh, essentially forced to culturally assimilate into Western culture. They weren't allowed to speak their language. They weren't um, allowed to practice their traditions. Basically, it was something that we're very familiar with, too, in the U.S. and Canada. It was like Western or European um, yeah, Europeans basically essentially trying to get rid of um, the culture of the people there. It was very important for people to connect with their culture and their traditional practices, but it was also a tool of communication so that they can use this to talk about like the fact that this is their land, I mean, which should be very obvious, but um, it is a like they use this as a way to kind of fight for their rights. Um, And personally, I think is a very powerful way. And this is just an example of a lot of different works that were done by Aboriginal Australians um, kind of in the late uh, 20th century. Yeah, it's really unfortunate that so much of this art has to be couched against fighting for your life and fighting for history um, to be preserved and remembered and all, like th- not only history, but your very culture and way of life. But it's also these settings that create these beautiful works of art as rebellion um, and as this taking a stand against that. Um, and there's, there's kind of two sides to this where I'm like, oh, I'm sad that that is necessary to do. But also I like really admire the fact, but I really admire the work um, and the creation of this. Yeah, and so I think this is a good point for us to maybe wrap up for this particular um, set of topics. Um, We should put a a pin in that for the moment. Uh, So 
again, this is a very overview, like not even touching the tip of the iceberg of, of like traditional Australian art. I think the next episode, I'll go into a little bit more about modern and contemporary Australian art, which you'll see the themes of a lot of these topics still get carried through in that. Um, but, you know, there's obviously a diversity of different stories and expressions um, among that as well. Um, yeah. And then, uh, but again, like it, it, I think like this, a lot of these really spoke to me because it like reminds me of how powerful it is uh, to just remember that a lot of these horrifying things that uh, hap- that happened and still continues to happen to um, Aboriginal Australians were things that were like recent in recent history is within the lifetimes of the people who are still alive today. And again, well, as we'll talk about a little bit in the next section, still happens to this day. Um, so I, it's just important to remember that it's this is not some historic uh, problem that happened hundreds of years ago. It's something that continues to be something that has to be um, dealt with today, unfortunately. But it's uh, that I think that's one of the other reasons why it's important to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, you can find the show notes, everything we talked about today, relay.fm slash pictorial. Um, you can find us on Instagram at pictorial pod. We'll post images of them. And you can also find me on Instagram at Quinster Rose. Um, and as a reminder, this is episode 82 out of 85. <laughs> so um, if you'd like to email us, pictorialpod at gmail.com um, and give anything you'd like to share about uh, favorite episodes, favorite pieces of art that we've ever talked about for our final wrap up episode, please do that. And you can also find me on Instagram at ArticulationsV. I'm also on YouTube as Articulations. And we do also have a YouTube channel for pictorial podcasts, which actually, I think when this is out, the show may already be over, but you will be looking at some very, very beautiful pieces of um, Aboriginal Australian art. So please check it out. Thanks for listening, our enthusiasts.